Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 72. Sunday night, and we just finished watching the, the Pittsburgh Steelers against the New England Patriots. The game of the week, Ed. Everybody was looking for this primetime game. I, I thought it was going to be the highlight. I wanted this game to, to go back and forth. I thought this was going to be Brady against Roethlisberger, and we were going to see a big-time showdown type of game. And what happened, Ed? I mean, the Steelers are your team. Uh, it, there's no secret. We've talked about this on the show in the past. I Can you walk away with some positives after this i mean it was just it was a beating it was brutal the patriots destroyed the the pittsburgh steelers 33 to 3 that was a brutal game uh you know i i look forward to this game pretty much all year i mean as soon as it came out on the schedule i was like oh this is going to be a great showdown and uh you know the steelers just weren't ready um but you know one thing that i'm really starting to realize is that belichick He's the greatest X's and O's coach of all time. I mean, he just you give him you give him a whole year to prepare for a big game and he's going to be so well prepared. I mean, it it almost seemed like he could anticipate everything. And you know, I I really th- I really think it was an X's and O's issue. I don't think it was so much an an ex- an execution issue. I think it was just the Patriots were at the right place at the right time the whole game and the, his team his team was just so much better prepared than the Steelers were for this game. I keep coming back to this, Ed. I mean, Mike Tomlin again gets outcoached. Yeah. I, the the thing is, is Tomlin, Tomlin, you know, has all these winning records, so and the Steelers don't fire their coach, so he, he's never going to go away. But you know what? J- truly, from an X's and O's standpoint, he can't compete with the Belichicks of the world. And, I, I mean, that that's kind of that's how I summarize Tomlin. Great coach, great motivator, uh, you know, a winner – you know, often often keeps the Steelers, you know, competitive, but you know can't win the big games and can't can't get his team ready from an X's and O's perspective against Bell Belichick. So, well, not many people can compete with the Patriots and Bill Belichick. He's just so much smarter than everyone else, and I think everybody knows this. I mean, the Patriots have dominated in the 21st century, and obviously this this duo of Tom, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick has been great. By the way, Bovada Sportsbook had the Patriots as the favorite to win the Super Bowl again. And, I mean, it's no surprise. And after this week one action, the Patriots should be the favorites, Ed. And you had them winning the Super Bowl again. So I guess we're right back where we started from last year. And we're just going to be talking about the Patriots, like you mentioned before, in the beginning of the season and at the end. Well, as a fan of football, I, I want to see someone knock them off this year. But, you know, it just it just looks like, you know, Brady's, Brady's you know, still in the prime of his career at 42. And I, I just, I don't see them getting, I, I don't see them getting beat. I, I don't see them getting beat this year. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. Obviously, that's huge news. Uh, Brown obviously got traded by the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Oakland Raiders. Um, Brown got new life. Uh, he seemed to be saying all the right things. That he loved Derek Carr. He loved being a Raider. He wanted to be coached by John Gruden, and just everything went wrong. I mean, just 
everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. At first he showed up, he, he had the foot issue. Then he had the helmet issue. Then obviously Mike Mayock, the, the GM of the Oakland Raiders, um, had an issue with him. He fined him. And obviously it, it seems like the story that, that came out that the Raiders wanted to, to avoid the, the guaranteed money. And Brown wasn't happy about it. So he took to Twitter and asked for his release. And the Raiders gave it to him. Now Antonio Brown joins the Patriots. Let's talk about the saga a little bit. Let's talk about it from the standpoint of what did the Raiders get themselves into? How did he get so bad so quickly? And now the Patriots get another star receiver. And we've seen this before. I mean, they've they've had Randy Moss come from the Oakland Raiders. And look what he did with the Patriots for a couple of years. And I expect the same thing to happen now. I mean, it's just a huge game for, for New England. I think I think this is a big this is a big issue just the fact that you know a player like Antonio Brown can act the way he has and just be totally unprofessional and then you know get released and then get signed by you know the New England Patriots I mean the I mean for looking at it from Brown's perspective this is the best case scenario he's going to have Belichick who is going to going to pretty much put some structure in his life and you know what if 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 Brown can't if if Brown can't rein it in here, then you know he he probably doesn't deserve to play anywhere. So um, this is the best case scenario for Antonio Brown. But for him to be able to just you know basically treat the Raiders like you know he didn't care. I mean it was it was it it's it's just it's just unfair and it's disrespectful to the game. And this guy this guy is really just a self centered dude. And I've thought this before. I've thought this before about him, you know, being a Steelers fan, before all these antics, before the, he had to live with the Steelers. I thought this guy was really just a self-centered dude. And then, you know, he does all these things with the Raiders, and it was like... And, I mean, the the thing that comes to mind is, I think this guy has CTE. That's really, that's really what it comes down to, is that he... But, I mean, he did so many ridiculous things with the Steelers and with the Raiders. I mean, it's just... I guess I guess from Antonio Brown's perspective, this is the best case scenario for him. But I mean, I you, you, as a fan of football, I want to see a guy respect the game more. I'm sure you're glad that the Steelers got rid of him. I mean, they were fed up with his antics. They he stuck with him long enough. Obviously, he's still a great player, but he's a head case and he's a prima donna. He's in the T.O. type of range. I mean, he just reminds me so much of, of T.O. And, and the drama that he had around him once he became a star. And Randy Moss had it, and Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, uh, had those same problems as well. So it's it's about the wide receivers. The wide receivers, for some reason, believe that they're, they're bigger than the whole football team. And I'm sure the Raiders are are glad that they moved on, and obviously they're just going to move forward, but it's the Patriots' game. I mean, the Patriots get a heck of a player. Even if it's for one year, Antonio Brown is going to help them on the field, and, and Bill Belichick is going to know how to leave him alone and just let him play football because Brown is a heck of a football player. By the way, uh, Monday night, obviously the Broncos are playing against the Raiders, and Bovada has... Uh, has the Broncos as the favorite, uh, minus 2.5 on Monday night 
over the Raiders. And we'll see how that goes. I, I want to see how the Oakland Raiders are going to look uh, with Derek Carr minus Antonio Brown and, and what they're going to bring to the table. I just, uh, I'm really curious if, if John Gruden is going to be able to get something and, and get this team going um, in uh, this year. Uh, it's just, uh, I'm curious on that. I mean, obviously the Raiders took a chance on Antonio Brown. It didn't work out. It's just, it was a huge saga that, that went on for so long. And I'm glad it's over now. And it's Antonio Brown's gain. Drew Rosenhaus was able to get him on the New England Patriots. And I'm sure Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are, are happy deep down inside once, once Brown gets on the field. I mean, the angry side of me as a Steeler fan is, you know, the Patriots offered a first-round pick to the Steelers for Antonio Brown, and obviously the Steelers didn't want him to go to New England. But, I mean, he, he's pretty much taken two really proud franchises and embarrassed the heck out of them. I mean, the Steelers were one of the most proud franchises, and, I mean, he, he totally embarrassed them. They all of a sudden became the, repu- the, the team with the reputation for being dramatic. And then the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders of the 70s, I mean, this is this is one of the prouder franchises in football as well. And he, he, he had no respect for these players. And to be honest with you, I mean, I just wouldn't be shocked if he, if, he, if he ruined the Patriots. I really wouldn't. I mean, I think the Patriots will, I don't think the dynasty is over, but I think he's, I think he could make this a real, a real drama show. No, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to have an understanding. And I, I saw what Bill Belichick did, did with Randy Moss once he came over from the Oakland Raiders. Um, now I, I think they're going to do the same thing with Antonio Brown. I don't think they're going to hear a peep from him because I think Belichick is going to say, look, we're going for the Super Bowl. You want to win? You're all in. That's it. Let, let's just work hard and play football, and that's it. There's one team <laughs> I have to, Antonio I have, I have Brown to point is, out your voice is like a really good impression of Bill Belichick <laughs> but go on with what you're saying I, I'm trying I, I'm trying to work <laughs> on that I'm trying to work on that I mean Bill is one of my idols I'm sure he's everybody's idol out there so um, we're working on that uh, let's talk about some other week one NFL games Ed um, obviously and let's talk about probably the biggest shocker everybody was high on the Cleveland Browns to start the season everybody was picking them to win the nfc north or at least get in as a wild card team well i'll be honest with you the titans embarrassed the hell out of the browns and baker mayfield didn't look good he threw three interceptions and he struggled most of the night they failed to keep him upright there was a lot of pressure in his face and and the titans did a good job with that and your pick of the titans making the playoffs and winning the AFC South division looks good right now after week one. Yeah, I, I, I mean, other than my Steelers getting beat, I mean, it was a good day. Um, I thought a lot of my picks did well. I thought the Eagles winning was, you know, positive for my picks. The Packers winning on Thursday night was positive for my picks. Um, the Titans, you know, as we mentioned. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the Bills and Jets game. Because I, I, really, I really was impressed with the, the stops that the Bills made. I thought, you know, I sort of watched the end of the game after I was watching other games, and I, I was impressed by the fact that, you know, Sam Darnold couldn't move the ball down the field against the Bills' defense. Well, I thought the Bills' defense played well last year at times, and Sean McDermott has that team playing well on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're just looking for Josh Allen to kind of 
give them a little bit more responsibility to kind of hand them the reins and and see what happens. So obviously they got it done. The Jets jumped out to uh, to a lead. They had they were up 16 to nothing, and then the Bills all of a sudden came back. And you're right, uh, the defense was the catalyst there, and the Bills had enough and uh, obviously they came out on top they won the game 17 to 16 I, I think that defense is definitely to be reckoned with and anybody looking for you know a defense on fantasy ed i think the buffalo bills would be would definitely be a candidate there yeah i i, I you know i like the ed oliver draft pick and i mean i actually just kind of like their defensive line altogether. um you know, I th- I think you know a lot of the game is won at the line of scrimmage, and a good defensive line will go a long way. Um, do I think Do I think the Bills are gonna make a run? No, I don't think. I don't think Josh Allen has it in him. Um, but yeah, I mean this defense, they could roll with this defense, and they can win a few games. And I mean, I, I think I think they they could take second place because it it isn't looking that good for the Jets, and it's looking even worse for the Dolphins. I mean, they got embarrassed today by the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I think we knew that. I mean, the Dolphins were, Ed, uh, they were going to have the number one overall pick or at least the top five pick. And I thought that was pretty evident. They just don't have the pieces. They they don't have the players. And, and right now, it's pretty obvious that they're building for the future. They're looking into the 2020 NFL draft. You know, since the Buffalo Bills came back against the Jets, there was another comeback that I didn't think was going to happen, Ed. I mean, it looked like the Arizona Cardinals were were terrible. I mean, they, they really were through the first three quarters, and Kyler Murray struggled, I mean, immensely, to be honest with you. And I, I watched some of that game, and I just felt like, all right, I mean, the Detroit Lions are going to get this win. All of a sudden, Kyler Murray just woke up in the fourth quarter. He made some plays, and Murray was, you know, 15 out of 19 for 154 yards and, and two touchdowns. And, and that was pretty amazing because... They, they tied the game with 43 seconds. They went into overtime. Obviously, the game ended up in a tie, 27-27. to 27, But to overcome an 18-point fourth-quarter deficit for a rookie quarterback, a guy that was starting his first game ever, I, I thought that was pretty impressive. He finally got it right, and he finally figured it out, and it looked like Cliff Kingsbury's offense was clicking for, for one quarter. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the breakdown uh, of Kyler Murray's performance, his first half, terrible. His second half, he looked good. I mean, driving down towards the end of the game, I mean, he was making plays. He was moving the offense. I mean, he looked like he deserved to be a number one pick in the draft. And I I liked him. I thought he had some potential as a first-round pick. I I like the fact that he, you know, he had some accuracy to his throws. And, you know, he is kind of that new-age quarterback, so... I, I, I like where, where the Arizona Cardinals are going. I mean, I think I think Murray I think Murray can be a stable, decent quarterback in the league. I also wanted to mention, obviously, Dak Prescott. I don't think he's worth you know thirty or forty million a year, but obviously he's he's looking for that contract, and he had a great game against the New York Giants. I I take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, it was against the Giants and. And the Giants are probably going to have a top three pick in the 2020 NFL draft. But Dak Prescott was impressive. Threw for over 400 yards and just, what, four touchdowns? Um, I mean, I, I take my hat off to him because that, that was a heck of an opening week game, especially with 
you know, Elliot helping Elliot taking the load off of him. They they put the ball, they put it in the hands of Dak Prescott, and he won the game. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys offense looked impressive, and they won the game against the New York Giants, thirty-five to seventeen. Yeah, my my worry with the Cowboys is they're paying all these guys. You know, they're going to be paying Elliot. They already paid their offensive line. They're paying Dak Prescott a lot of money. And I, I think I think they're paying a lot of money to these guys who, you know, they're paying them like best of their position money. And I don't know if these guys are really are really like th- this elite offense. I don't know if this is this is really the pieces that you want. You know, this is like a Super Bowl worthy offense, but they're paying them like a Super Bowl worthy offense. So um, I, I, I'm a little worried about the long term health of the of the Cowboys. Well, I, I agree with you. It, it seemed, we talked about this before. Jerry Jones wants that triplets. Uh, he, he won it. He won three Super Bowls with them, with Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. And he's trying to recapture that. He, he has Dak, and he has Elliott, and he has Amari Cooper, and he's trying to remember the good old days. And he's thinking, eh, I can get that back. I can get a Super Bowl, something that has escaped me for, for a long, long time. I mean, when was the last time the, the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl? It was in 1995, Ed. That's that's a long time. It really is. I mean, Jerry Jones had beginner's luck, and then once he he got rid of Jimmy Johnson, everything just went downhill after that. But I wish him luck. Obviously, he he believes in these guys, and he believes he can win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. I certainly disagree. I think Prescott looks good against the New York Giants, but I want to see how he's going to look this year against the Eagles or some of those contending teams that are they're going to be vying for the playoffs. Uh, that That's what I'm going to be looking at. Ed, you and I have talked off the air a little bit, and I wanted to bring up Aaron Donald. You know, Aaron Donald has has won two Defensive Player of the Year awards, and he's just he's the most dominant defensive lineman that, that I have seen. And I'm talking about not right now, just currently in the NFL, but ever. I saw John Randall play with the Minnesota Vikings, the undersized defensive tackle that dominated at times. I saw Warren Sapp with the Bucks, and he had some really good games, and he could take over. But I've never seen anything like it, what, what I'm seeing from the Rams defensive lineman, Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean, he truly is a special defensive lineman. I mean, his swim move, the way he can get skinny, the way he pushes off, the way he rips... I mean, he, he is just so athletic. I mean, he is just an athletic specimen. And, you know, I was wa- I actually watched the game I watched at 1 o'clock was the Rams game. And, you know, he didn't have any tackles up to the third quarter. But, you know what, he was just occupying blockers. And really, you know, Dante Fowler had a sack. And really, that was Aaron Donald's sack because he was occupying the two, the two blockers on the edge. And, you know, Dante Flower, just Fowler basically just had to – I had to run to the quarterback and tackle the quarterback. So, I mean, you know, he he may not be showing up as much in the in the stat sheet, but you know, you watch the film on this guy, and he is he's a disruptor. I mean, he he is really truly the best player in this league. You know, Bovada has Aaron Donald as the favorite to win the defensive MVP again for the third straight year. He's a two to one favorite. He's also, according to Bovada, a 5-2 to two favorite to lead the NFL in sacks. I completely agree with those things. I mean, this guy just takes over games. He takes on double and, and triple teams, and nobody can block him. And he's just, 
you know every time that he's on the field, opposing offensive line knows who they have to block and who they have to pay attention to. I've never seen a guy use his hands that the way he does. He's just he's so aggressive and so disruptive and it's amazing. I mean that this guy fell out of the top 10 in in his draft class and to be honest with you, I want to make a case for this. Not also, not only do I think he's the best defensive lineman, Ed. Not only do I think he is the best defensive player in the game, and I really do. I think he's the best NFL player right now. I realize that we like to talk about running backs and quarterbacks, but this guy is truly special. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never talked about John Randall as being the best player in the NFL, Warren Sapp as being the best player in the NFL. What do you think about that? My statement that I think right now, currently, Aaron Donald is the best player in the game. I think he's the best player at his position. Like, you know, you know, he's the best player in the game. I would say one caveat to that is if I were to start a team, I don't know if he would be the first guy I would pick. But I mean, he's the best player, you know, he's the best value at his position for sure. Um, you know, when you talk about top 100 players, he was the one who won number one and I thought he very much deserved it. But, you know, one thing, too, is that he's still relatively early in his career. I mean, he's still in his 20s. He He's actually only, like, I think a fifth or a sixth-year player. And so he has he has some career to go. I mean, one thing that I, one guy I'm comparing him to is uh, Bruce Smith, who, I mean, is arguably the greatest defensive lineman to ever play football. Um, you know, Bruce Smith had, like, double-digit sacks for more than 10 years. And so, I mean... I think I think Aaron Donald is capable of that, and I think you know he he, he really if, if Aaron Donald can have the longevity, he could go down in history as the greatest defensive lineman to ever play football. But he's got to have the longevity. But right now, in his point in his career, he's the best player in the NFL. I just like I said, I I truly love watching him play. Uh, it was it was an art form watching him at Pittsburgh, especially the last two years. Uh, obviously, he lasted till his senior year. He dominated the senior bowl. I remember that. And I thought, God, this guy's going to be a top 10 pick. All of a sudden, he, he slid, and the, the Rams got a bargain. And just well, the, the what? Yeah, well, go ahead. It was interesting. One of the knocks on him was, you know, it was like, though, this is such a great player. But, you know, he only fits in a 4-3 you know, scheme. And so... Teams only only four three teams could draft him, and the interesting thing is now is he's 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 in a three four scheme with the Rams, and he's dominating, and it's actually even a better role for him. So, I mean, the draft knock that they had on him was just a misevaluation of what his position should be. And you know what? He can dominate like this Ed, in a, as a four three defensive tackle as well. He could play in any defense. It's just the Rams plugged him in plays in that 3-4 defense and you know him and and Phillips I mean Phillips is just getting he's the most valuable player obviously and he's just it, it's been a good marriage between defensive coordinator Phillips and, and Aaron Donald and it's truly amazing I think they both helped themselves uh, in, in this situation like I said Aaron Donald is just a special talent I agree with you he's got to have longevity Bruce Smith Reggie White you know, Warren Sapp, John Randall, those guys had those stats, and they, and they did it over the long haul. But if Aaron Donald keeps going like this, Ed, I mean, he's just gonna he's gonna rewrite the record books, and he's just he's truly 
a special, special player. And not only a, a special defensive lineman. And that's where I'm going with this. I realize that we like to talk about quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, but I wanted to get the defensive linemen in this conversation because they always get left out. And uh, this guy definitely deserves to be on there, and I love watching him play. Let's move on to college football, Ed. Uh, Week two brought some surprises, and and we saw, let's start with, with the game that everybody is talking about. It's... It was a game between a Big 12 team, a Texas team, and an SEC team in, in LSU. And obviously it was just it was a highlight show, especially in, in the second half. Joe Burrow against your boy, Ellinger, and they, they really put on a show. I mean, it was truly special. Yeah, I mean, LSU had a great game. I, I, I like this kid, Justin Jefferson. I mean, he, he put up big numbers in this game. The guy's 6'2". I think he's got great breakaway speed. I think I think he has you know the height. I think he has the can come up with a difficult catch. I just I like him in a loaded wide receiver class. I think he could be a nice day to find. Well, we talked about wide receivers. Uh, this is really a special wide receiver class, and if Jefferson continues to to put up the numbers that he did, uh, especially. During this week, I mean, what did he have? Like nine receptions for over 150 yards. He scored three touchdowns. Uh, truly amazing. And uh, him and Burrow have a special connection. I think it's going to continue. But I wanted to talk about Joe Burrow. I mean, this guy transfers. He completed 31 of 39 passes for 471 yards, a whopping 12 yards per pass with four touchdowns. I mean, nobody could stop him. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Ellinger as well because Ellinger, he also threw for over 400 yards, had a great game running and passing. So Texas played well. It's just LSU was bigger. I mean, they were better. They made the plays and they came out on top. Once again, an SEC team comes out on top. During week one, you and I talked about Auburn against Oregon and Auburn beat Oregon. This time, LSU against Texas. And Texas was my pick for the college football playoff. Had a great game, but it was just not enough against the LSU Tigers. Yeah, gosh, you know, they got crushed, you know, as far as the media in Texas. I mean, one of the, one of the things I saw on TV was, you know, sort of the game was over. And obviously, you know, there's a big crowd in Austin and stuff like that. And Joe Burrow at the end of the game, he's waving to the Texas fans and he almost looks like he's like the queen of england and it was just it was it was absolutely the most condescending thing i have ever seen and then and then to make matters worse just the drama of the game they have they they zone in on the picture of this kid who's who's crying and, and pretty vehemently and i was thinking i was just watching it and i was like man they are just being brutal to the texas fans right now i mean why, you know this kid does not want to be on tv doing this and it's like <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, and, and Texas Texas really played a good game. I mean, it wasn't, you know, if Colin Johnson stretches out and recovers that onside kick, I mean, it might have been, it might have been, a, it might have been a, you know, a, a game that went down to the last play. I mean, LSU, LSU won that game and LSU played a great game, but it wasn't as if Texas played a bad game. 
No, they didn't. It, it was a great game in the second half. It was an offensive showdown, and, and both quarterbacks played well, and both offenses looked well. It's just, once again, an SEC team comes out on top. I wanted to mention this, Ed. Jalen Hurts is putting up some great numbers again in that Oklahoma offense. We've seen Sam Bradford win the Heisman Trophy. We saw you know Baker Mayfield do it. Kyler Murray did it last year. Jalen Hurts is the favorite right now. Through two games, he's completed 83% of his throws, totaled 814 yards, nine touchdowns, and no picks. What do you think about Jalen Hurts so far in that in that Lincoln Riley's offense? I guess they can pl- plug me in at quarterback. I think I'm going to put up Heisman <laughs> Trophy numbers. Yeah, I mean Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, you know, put up big numbers at Alabama, so he he is. He is an excellent college quarterback. I mean, he, you know, he's a he's an excellent dual threat quarterback. I have, you know, it's it's almost too bad that he can't play college football for his whole life because he will be a great college football player for a long time if he did. But um, unfortunately, after after four or five years, you gotta you gotta go on to the NFL. And I think the problem is is that when you go on to the NFL, you know, you you kind of have to be a little bit more in the pocket and have a little bit more. You know, pocket mobility helps, but you need to have the kind of that pocket awareness, and you know, you need to be able to sit in the pocket and deliver the ball around the field. And I don't, I don't see that from Jalen Hurts. But as far as a college quarterback, I mean, he's he's very capable of you know being a national championship quarterback. I I mean, even even he's he, he really should get some. You know, he could be one of the finalists for the Heisman too. What do you think about Clemson? I mean, Clemson isn't going to lose an ACC game, right? I mean, they they dominated against Texas A&M, and especially Syracuse's nightmare, and you and I talked about this off the air against Maryland, only basically underscored the huge gap between the Tigers and and the rest of the ACC. Uh, Obviously, in Week 1, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a good game. Travis Etienne was was the one carrying the load. In Week 2, I mean, Lawrence came out and was just on fire, to be honest with you. I mean, it's... Clemson, I mean, we could just put Clemson in the college football playoff today, right? Definitely. Um, the thing the thing that was kind of sad was that next week, the primetime, the sort of 5.30 primetime ABC game was supposed to be Syracuse and Clemson, which, you know, could be an interesting game. You know, Syracuse has been good, but Syracuse got embarrassed this week by Maryland. And I think even like the TV networks weren't predicting this but they got they got absolutely trounced by maryland and um that that really brought them you know kind of blindsided them but yeah clemson clemson has you know a ton of playmakers you know t higgins um etienne obviously trevor lawrence um justin ross yeah i mean they're just you know they're, they're just absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball. So last year they were loaded on the defensive side of the ball. This year they're loaded on the offensive side of the ball, and they're going to put up big numbers. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see I don't know who could challenge them for the ACC. I, I can't even think of who will be number two. So, um, yeah, they're going to be undefeated, undefeated, and they'll probably be the number one seed going into the college football playoff. Let's talk about Michigan. Uh, during week two, I, obviously Army isn't isn't an easy game to to play but they struggled against them they michigan only won 24 to 21 in double overtime what's going on they brought in a new offensive coordinator from alabama this was going to be different 
Uh, Harbaugh was was going to go to the college football playoff. Should we hit the panic panic button right now? You and I both picked Michigan to to make it to the Final Four. Should we be worried? When I if I knew what I knew now, when I was making my pick, I knew I had to pick one Big Ten team to be in the college football playoff, and I I was choosing between Ohio State and Michigan. And if I knowing how Ohio State has pretty much rolled over the teams they should roll over and how Michigan really hasn't rolled over these teams that they should roll over. It, it's looking it's looking pretty good for Ryan Day and the Buckeyes right now. Let's talk about the Pac-12 because they get left out, Ed, and they usually get left out. Um, obviously, Washington against Cal, it was suspended for two and a half hours. It was rained out, and I was watching USC against Stanford. I was very interested to see that. And you know what? I was calling for Clay Helton's head i thought he wasn't gonna make it through the season i said the same thing about ed orgeron last year boy was i wrong about orgeron and i don't know i'm maybe i'm wrong about helton as well because they they found a freshman quarterback and in slovis and he just went 28 out of 33 he threw for 377 passing yards and three touchdowns and he did it against the number three rank number 23 ranked stanford team and they they beat them handedly. I mean, it was just, it was a beating. And USC beat Stanford 45-20. to 20, And this freshman quarterback, and I remind you, he wasn't supposed to be the starting quarterback. Supposed to be JT Daniels. And he got an injury. He suffered an injury. Slovis gets in there and he breathes life into this USC season. So it seems like USC could be, I mean, it's asking a lot, obviously. He's a freshman quarterback. But he could be. Uh, getting USC into contention, maybe they could compete against Oregon and Washington. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if I'm gonna pick USC to win the Pac-12, but I think this kid Slovis did show that you know it's not gonna it's gonna be okay that they lost JT Daniels. Um, this game was particularly interesting because it was actually started by both backup quarterbacks. KJ Costello was out and JT Daniels was out, so. Uh, you know, Slovis, he looks like he looks like he could lead USC to a bowl game and that's probably that's probably pretty good and you know, I think I think Clay Helton can maybe keep his job for another year, but I I still I still don't know if they could really make a run in the Pac twelve with with a backup quarterback, and especially a young backup quarterback. But things like this happen, Ed. I mean, one starting quarterback goes down, the backup goes in, all of a sudden, I mean, the season is saved, and and the head coach gets breathing life for another season. He signs an extension. I don't know. It seems interesting that UCLA Bruins are struggling, and the Trojans are doing this with, with the freshman quarterback. It's It, it truly is amazing. Anything else you want to bring up in terms of what you saw in, during Week 2 action in college football? Yeah, I thought I thought with the Texas A&M game and uh, Clemson. I mean, I thought Clemson. You know, we've already talked about Clemson, but the fr- the fact that Clemson, you know, really took it to Texas A&M, I mean, especially when that uh, Texas A&M offensive line guaranteed a win, I thought that was pretty funny. But um, I want to talk about that. Um, I guess this is just a personal antidote. But uh, being a CU fan or a Colorado fan, uh, you know, them upsetting. Uh, Nebraska was pretty cool this weekend. So other than that, we pretty much covered it all. Let's get to the scouting reports. So we obviously take two guys each week. We put them under the scouting microscope. And uh, 
I wanted to uh, I wanted to get to the two Oklahoma players. Uh, we're going to talk about wide receiver Ceedee Lamb, and we're going to talk about linebacker Kenneth Murray. Uh, let's start with the wide receiver. Ed, obviously, again, wide receivers are going to be a hot topic uh, in the 2020 NFL draft, and and Ceedee Lamb is another interesting prospect to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, you know what I really like about him is his hands. Um, you know, he's he's very good at you know after the catch, um, guy you can line him up in the inside in the slot. Um, the I guess the the thing that I worry about is his route running. And the fact that he didn't run a full route tree at Oklahoma, um, I think those I think those are kind of some of my concerns about him as far as you know some are going to have him projected in the first round and I just I would like to see a better route runner from a first round wide receiver. I love the fact that he blocks his he he just blocks his butt off. He, he really does. Uh, he just he goes out there he. He's always blocking for his fellow wide receivers and his running backs, and and that's what I appreciate about that. You don't see that from a college wide receiver a lot. Uh, usually, that's a knock when when they get to the NFL, and I I love that about C.D. Lamb. I just his blocking, his hands. He's more quick than fast. I mean, he excels on on out routes and, and crossing routes. I I saw a couple of games where he ran. A really good double move to perfection and he's able to track the ball well and um, I appreciate that but obviously he excels in the short intermediate area I think some people might say he's more of a slot receiver at the next level but I think he can play both like Sterling Shepard has proven Shepard is a little bit more undersized than him but I really appreciate that his blocking really stands out to me because he just he works on that area. It looks like whenever he doesn't get the ball, he's just working hard to to open up that extra lane for his for his fellow wide receiver. I you see. I, when I watched the tape, I thought he needed to square better when he blocks. I thought he was, I thought he was, you know, he showed alacrity in in blocking, but I I, I thought he needed to square better. Um, that was one kind of one of my disagreements about him. I like the the fact he's an underrated athlete. He displays great concentration. Again, he tracks the ball well, and everything that's thrown his way, he, he catches it. I agree. I mean, he's working on his route running, but he has gotten better uh, from his freshman season to his sophomore year, and I, I think we'll see that extra progression this year as well. And I do think he's going to come out after his junior season. Again, a lot of it depends on if he stays healthy, but with Jalen Hurts being on fire, C.D. Lamb is his favorite target, and I think he'll continue to make plays. And I know that you probably have C.D. Lamb kind of on the cusp of the first round, right? Like late first, early second round? Well, you know, after watching Hollywood Brown <laughs> this week against uh, against the Dolphins, <laughs> I'm starting to think definitely C.D. Lamb is a first rounder. But I, 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 didn't see, I didn't see the good route running that you saw on tape, so... That's what that's my big concern. I think there's one thing that gets overlooked. He really exploits zone coverage. He finds those open holes. And I, I think that's also an art form because college wide receivers, not everybody can do that. And I saw Cooper Cup do this in college football and, and once he made it to the NFL he was just he was unstoppable. When they played zone coverage, he just he was always open. And 
CeeDee Lamb has that as well. Obviously, you got to be man coverage, but against zone, he is he knows where to be, Ed, and he's just, I, I like that. He finds those open holes, and he knows where to sit in them, and that's why he's always going to be that safety blanket, especially on third down. Yeah, I mean, there's there's other things to like about him. Um, for for one thing that I like about him is that I think they used him in motion a lot and shows that he, he has a pretty good grasp of the offense. Um, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I think he has good speed after the catch. I think he's a guy, you know, you see a lot of a lot of Dink and Duncan today's NFL, and, um, you know, he can be a guy who you can throw a lot of wide receiver screens to and, you know, he can he can sort of do that. Um, so, I mean, this is a this is a guy I would draft. Um, but I, again, it comes it it kind of it kind of cycles back to the fact that, um, you know, he he really didn't run a full route tree, and I think he needs he needs like a couple years of development to do that. Um, the other thing the other thing is is that he's six foot two, so. I could see him. I could see him being kind of a guy that you can move around. So I think he could play the X. I think he could play the outside. But I think he could also play in the slot. Um, he he kind of interests me as a slot guy because he he would kind of be a difficult matchup in the slot because a lot of these you know NFL slot corners are you know under six feet and he's six foot two. Um, I think he I think he could be sort of a matchup. He can win a lot of matchups because of his height. Um, but he he does have the speed to play in the slot, so I think that's that's something that makes him interesting. He's definitely versatile. All right, let's move on to the other side of the ball, another Oklahoma Sooner. Let's talk about Kenneth Murray. Yeah, um, I'd say I'd say uh, I'd say I I saw a very basic linebacker. I wasn't particularly impressed with Kenneth Murray, but. Uh, there were some things I liked. Um, I think he's a guy who can tackle. I think he's pretty decent in man coverage. Um, pretty decent in zone coverage. Has pretty average instincts. Um, he's a guy who shoots the gaps in the run game. Uh, gets off blocks well. So I would say I would say he's a solid linebacker. I I don't know if I, he he really stood out to me as like a first round linebacker though. Um, I know you're projecting him there. I don't know if everyone else is projecting him there, and I think I might. I might kind of agree with the everyone else over your projection. No, that's fine. That's fine. That you know, I like his speed, Ed. Uh, I think he is just uh, that that new breed type of linebacker right now. Uh, you know, obviously I put him in the first round, and obviously a lot of people believe he's a day two pick, but he's he was a tackling machine for the Sooners in 2018. Uh, he had like 155 stops, and he's just. All over the field. I mean, you say that he has average instincts. I think he has good instincts. I mean, he's able to find the ball. And you already said that he's a versatile guy. He can cover against zone and man coverage. Again, his speed is is his biggest asset. I think he's definitely going to be like in the low four sixes, maybe a little bit a little bit faster than that. So, um, to be honest with you, yeah, I made a play. I, I put him in the first round because I think again he's going to have another huge year. He's a leader of that defense, and I, I see some of the traits that he, he's there. But, you know, we saw Jalen Smith drop to the second round because of an injury. We saw Miles Jack drop there. But if it wasn't for injuries, those guys would have been in the first round. Uh, I'm not saying Kenneth Murray is that type of talent, 
but I could see him sneaking into the first round. I could definitely see a team would like him if, you know, maybe they want to use him as a Sam linebacker and match him up against tight ends. Um, I think that's where he projects best as an NFL player is where, um, you know, they're getting him to sort of play in coverage, um, which is becoming more and more important in the NFL. But I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he has a lot of weaknesses in his game. So obviously, you know, using him as a run stopper, using him as a sort of a, a weak side linebacker, um, I think he could fit in that role too. Maybe. I mean, I I hope he can. Now, I wanted to mention that, you know, Bovada has got you covered. Uh, it takes you closer to the action. It's fun, it's safe, and it's fast. And uh, at Bovada, you can bet on all your favorite sports, uh, obviously, and, and football including. But as far as Kenneth Murray, uh, definitely, like I said, he's just the new breed type of linebacker. Uh, whether he's a first-rounder or, or a day-two pick, I guess we'll find out. Again, I put him in the first round. I thought that it was gutsy of me. I just expected him to to take his game up a notch. And uh, I was looking for a guy, a linebacker, that would surface in the first round. I just thought that Kenneth Murray might be that guy. So uh, two Oklahoma State guys, two Oklahoma Sooners that we took an eye on. We talked about C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver. And we, we looked at, at Kenneth Murray. Uh, what can we expect in uh, – what are you looking for? Obviously, we've got week three college football coming up, and, and then we've got the NFL. I mean, what what surprised you, Ed? I mean, what what kind of got into you? Uh, what struck you about week one in the NFL or, or a college football week two action? Well, I didn't think I didn't think there were a lot of upsets uh, in either week. Um, I, you know, if I wanted to point to what the biggest upset of the week was, it was probably the Maryland game. Um, but I didn't I didn't think you know a lot of the top twenty five in college football was really shooken up. I didn't really think at least the major players in the top twenty five. Um, and I I really didn't you know there wasn't there wasn't a game in the NFL where I was like wow what you know what. You know, this team really, really shocked me. Um, you know, if there's one team that's kind of wor- has me worried, it's the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, ba- you know, Baltimore Baltimore put up, I think it was 42. 59 points. Yeah, 59 yeah, I think it was 42 points in the first half. So, I mean, if Lamar Jackson is, is dominating like he did against Miami, then maybe maybe this is, a, this is something that... I have totally overlooked. Um, I, I'll admit. I, I I'll admit at this point. I've I've underestimated Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. I was one of those people who said, you know, he's probably a receiver in the league. He probably could be a really nice slot receiver with the speed. But I mean, he 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 legitimately is a quarterback in this league. Um, the longevity is a little bit of a question. You know, when the speed slows down. Is definitely a question, and I've I've you know I've questioned Lamar Jackson, but I mean he I I'm I'm gonna I'm willing to acknowledge that I've I've been proven wrong by Lamar Jackson. I wanted to mention that obviously the Steelers were disappointing. I I I mean I understand that they played against the defending Super Bowl champions and in the New England Patriots, but to put up three points was just horrendous said uh, obviously the browns the browns disappointed me in, in week one they got to pick it up baker mayfield has got to use this 
you know, another chip on his shoulder after having a bad game, and, and they just they couldn't protect him as, as an offensive line in general. As far as college football, I was surprised that Washington lost to Cal at home. I understand that it was by one point. It was with eight seconds left. Cal kicker, you know, won that game, but it was just, I was shocked. I mean, Washington is still one of the, the favorites in the Pac-12, and they certainly didn't play like that. I was excited to see Jacob Eason. I, I just didn't see anything, Ed. So that that was kind of a shocker to me. Yeah, I actually didn't see I didn't see the Washington Cal game because that was too late for me. But um, you know, I did stay up for the USC game. But I mean, you know, Washington Washington has a good offensive line, but I I don't I didn't expect them to be as good this year. Um, I think I think you know losing Jake Browning, it's just it's 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 just a bit of a transition year for them. Well, we talked about USC being a surprise team early on, uh, but UCLA has been disappointing. Oregon lost in Week One to Auburn, and Week Two Washington lost to uh, to Cal. Um, Pac-12 has not been at its best in early parts of the season. They got to pick it up. Uh, this was. Blitzcast number 72. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care.